Welcome to the IDP Show. I'm your host, Evan Ronda, and I'm joined by my best friend, Jake Colhagen. On this week's episode, we are going to be previewing every single game on this slate, talking about some of our favorite starts or some of our favorite sits, just talking about player usage and what you should know about them. So we're going to jump right in with the first game of the week on Thursday night, the Minnesota Vikings at the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, personally, I can't not talk about Ivan Pace. He's been an IDP show darling throughout the entirety of the offseason, and he earned a starting job over Brian Asamoa playing 68% of snaps versus Brian Asamoa's 3% of snaps. That's pretty impressive. Now, if he can continue to have that snap share, we can expect him to be a relatively productive, albeit somewhat volatile, starting option. So if you're in a moderately deep lead, you could be looking at him as your linebacker three or linebacker four and just hope that he continues to be an efficient tackler. Just keep in mind, he's not a full-time player just yet. So if you're in one of those shallower leagues, don't be benching some set-and-forget full-time player for this guy. But I'm I'm very, very excited to see what he can do going forward as he continues to get more NFL experience. So that's pretty, pretty impressive. And I also want to give a quick shout out here to Josh Metellus. He was playing as the third safety or I guess the fifth DB here for the Vikings. And he had really, really great usage, like legitimately 100% sweet spot percentage, if that is even a thing, like just very, very valuable snap location. Again, not a full-time player, but if you're in a deeper league and you need some upside, he could be a player that that gets you a couple points on a spike week. Jake, how about the Eagles? Who do you like? Yeah, we're going to jump right into another one with Jalen Carter, like you alluded to there. Um, I mean, first game, 34 pass rush snaps, eight pressures, 90.5 PFF pass rush grade. I think he showed everybody exactly why there was talks of he should have been the number one overall pick um, in this last year's draft. Um, he's cut out a name for himself where he is a clear DT1 um, moving forward. Uh, I think that this is someone... Um, that could be in that DL, you know, two range as well in some of those different formats. So love Jalen Carter moving forward. Uh, at that second level, we got Chris Schnellis, Zach Cunningham, Rashawn Evans, uh, Nicobe Dean on the shelf. I think it sounds like for at least a month. Uh, so keep it, keep an ear out on for that. But for me right now, it's Zach Cunningham is the only one I'm interested in. I want to wait and see on the others with a short week. You got to figure it's Chris Schnellis. Um, but Rashawn Evans is a guy who's done this for so many years that. He could just come in and just and start, you know, cannibalizing the snaps and they could be doing that to each other. So Cunningham's the only one that I'm willing to, you know, give any consideration to for my lineup. Um, and then, yeah, right back to those J names, Justin Evans, um, kind of out of nowhere, uh, you know, playing that deep safety role. I think it's a great waiver wire ad if you got the depth for that, especially in that DB three to four type range. Um, and you need that. Don't think we're going to see a lot of the high value snaps. Uh, you know, I haven't, we haven't seen a lot of production from him that gives us the confidence to roll them out there consistently as a strong DB three or even more than that. So, um, you know, if you got the, if you got the depth in your starting lineup for it and you need it, he's great for that. Um, otherwise, like it's a nice, nice stash, nice depth piece for your roster. So, um, should be a fun game this Thursday. Excited to see it, but you got to move on. To... Yeah. I will say real quick before I move on to that next game, there was a, an underdog, you know, kind of, prop if you will that had his tackles you know solos and assists combined at four and a half i really liked the over on that but by the time i got around to being ready to bet the over it had already moved up to five and i think the reason for that is because reed blankenship is now out um nick nick not nick morrow nicobe dean is now out 
This is now against the Minnesota Vikings, which is a very different offense than the one that they faced previously. I feel like these DBs and these second level guys are going to have a lot more opportunities to get tackles. So I'm pretty high on Justin Evans this week. And I guess we'll have to see if Terrell Edmonds or Sidney Brown gets the start opposite him. But that will be a conversation for next week. In the meantime, yes, let's go ahead and move on to that next game with the Green Bay Packers at the Atlanta Falcons. Now, we were kind of curious what the safety situation would look like going into this week. Not that either safety is all that exciting of a player, but Darnell Savage, even though they ran two deep safeties at a very high rate, he was still very effective. Now, do I expect this to be as effective against a team that is so run heavy? Not necessarily, but they did just play the the they uh they just played the Bears. So it's not like you know, it's not like it's going to be that much of a difference. Those two teams were very very run heavy. I will say the Bears finally accomplished a balanced offense. They can now neither run or pass the ball. Um, but Lucas Van Ness, I'm sure we'll have something to say about that as far as continuing to keep them down. This may or may not be the best week for him, but oh my goodness, he looked amazing. I know OG listeners know just how much love I have for Lucas Van Ness. And I'm sure you saw that play. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. I'm sure you saw that play where, uh, where he ran down Justin Fields to the sideline. Talk about sneaky athletic. Am I right? Jeff's kiss. That was beautiful. All right. Then uh, on the other side, we got the Falcons. Um, they got their first win of the season. They did it in a, in a going away fashion, two scores. But, uh, you know, what do they got on the IDP side? Um, you know, Lorenzo Carter was one that's kind of a name that was out there. Um, you know, he's shown an ability to produce at times in the past. Um, he had three pressures and a sack on only 17 pass rush snaps last week. Um, however, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of his matchup this week against the Packers. Uh, that, that offensive line, they've just always had a strong offensive line. They've had an ability to be very successful with that too. Um, I think that they've shown a, um, a desire to be quick in Jordan Love's decision-making. So, you know, set it up, you know, one, two, three, and he's got the ball out of there pretty quickly. So I, I, I don't see you know, a world where Lorenzo Carter is, is making a big impact from an IDP standpoint this week, um, unless he lucks into some sort of play. So I, I would actually be staying away from him from a starting lineup at all this week, uh, except for in the very deepest of leagues or situations. Um, behind them, you know, Troy Anderson, uh, you know, him and Caden Ellis, the the big names in, in that space. Troy Anderson, Caden Ellis, both looked really good last week. Both kind of got a little bit of pass rush opportunities. I think it leaned a little bit in favor of Troy Anderson. Five pass rush attempts versus Caden Ellis's three, which is kind of the inverse of what we thought we'd see. So I'm I'm really curious to see if that continues to be the case. I think Anderson is a, an amazing linebacker too, in, in pretty much all formats. Um, I still personally am I'm on the Ellis side of things, but if we continue to see pass rush opportunities um, get funneled more into Troy Anderson, um, that 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 narrative could flip pretty quickly because um, that 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 big play upside is definitely something I think we love to have in our linebackers, um, along with that great floor that these both have with. Um, near 100% or like 99 and 100% uh, snap count for both of them last week. Uh, I forget which one had which. So, but yeah, that, that's, those really the kind of the ones that stood out for me from the Falcons matchup. Um, you know, obviously Bates had the, the huge uh, game with the two picks, but I think we know how to play Bates and uh, kind of the same with Richie Grant uh, from a tackle floor from the safety role. So uh, after that, I think we just move on to the, to the Raiders and the Bills. Yeah. Raiders at Bills. 
I think the first thing I have to mention in this game is the fact that Robert Spillane outsnapped Divine Diablo. I mentioned this on the IDP Game Theory podcast earlier this week, but it's at least notable in the sense of Diablo was the full-time linebacker last season. Now Spillane comes in and takes over that full-time role. Now, do we expect this to continue? Kind of, to be honest. I think he was wearing the green dot. So I think that that says a lot of, number one, good things for Robert Spillane's tackle floor, and not necessarily a bad thing for Divine Diablo. I think he's talented enough that he can continue to produce, but more so really just to put an emphasis on Robert Spillane and the fact that in moderately deep leagues to shallower leagues, there is a decent chance that he at least was still available on waivers. So like, for example, in the IDP Invitational, I think he was still available on waivers. So just to you know, get an idea of, what kind of league you're in, he's definitely a player that you can set and forget if you're starting like four linebackers-ish. I also want to give a quick mention to Tyree Wilson. I mean, he's he's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Um, it's, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I mean, the Bills O-line pressure rate, 23rd in the league. They're letting up the 23rd least, 23rd most. I, I don't know how to phrase this. Basically, if you rank all of the offensive lines in how many pressures they let up per snap the bills offensive line is the 23rd worst so definitely some pass rushing opportunity here for tyree wilson opposite max crosby how about the bills so i, I gotta ask so too so what 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 is your take on this tyree wilson chandler jones do you think chandler jones is done for this season like dude i have some... i have no idea i have no idea such a weird thing like and it just i i don't know i felt like it came out of left field here um at the start of the season this this whole situation um so yeah i mean I, i'm excited for tyree wilson as well um I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunities he'll get and what what we'll see from him but yeah that was how this all came about was very peculiar and still uh intrigues me as to, as to where this goes from there so um but yeah so on the bill side uh terrell bernard um Speaking of, you know, kind of last minute uh, things here, Terrell Bernard came in and um, he's the one who wore the green dot, uh, came in, got the opportunity here to start the season. Made 12 tackles, so I think four solos, eight of the assisted kind, so not as valuable per se for IDP. Uh, the, the the one part that gives me a little pause, a pretty rough PFF grades across the board. Um, that's the one thing that just, you know, I'm, I'm okay running Bernard out there again. Um, especially against the Raiders team that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is not really known for attacking outside the numbers. In fact, more of the middle of the field. So your inside linebackers here should have um, a solid opportunity to, to produce a solid tackle game. Um, but if he if he keeps trending uh, poorly in his actual NFL play on the field, that that could be an opportunity for a Tyrell Dotson who is competing and thought to be the the one before. Um, you know maybe one of the rookies or the rookie Dorian Williams is uh, looking really good and they want to make a transition to him at some point, you know, at this season. So um, just, just keep an eye on those things because that might be a narrative uh, to try and stay ahead of a, um, before that switch actually occurs um, on the, on the front of that defensive line, they, they all looked great um, against the, uh, the jets, but uh, Leonard Floyd specifically coming in new team, um, you know, obviously he was involved in the, the Aaron Rodgers injury, which is disheartening. Um, for NFL perspectives, but um, I mean, Floyd looked great. You know, he got that sack specifically um, on a total of 16 pass rush snaps. He managed to produce five pressures as well. Um, so you're talking essentially one out of every three times uh, there was a pass rush. He was in the backfield. Now, Jets 
offensive line needs some work still it, it appears but uh the raiders not exactly a, a stellar uh, offensive line in their own rights uh, ranking 28th in pass rush pressure rate so fire up leonard floyd here this week uh strong strong dl2 play um with some potential upside especially if uh uh, this matchup kind of gets away from him at all in a new way. So, Leonard Floyd is a must start in your points per Achilles tear league. I didn't know if we were going that route. What yeah. we were going that route? Too far. Too far. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had an Aaron Rodgers Jets jersey hanging up behind me last week. I feel like I I'm allowed to at least make a slight joke just to cover up the pain inside. Um, speaking of injuries, the Baltimore Ravens at the Cincinnati Bengals. You can't catch a break. Like it, it, it sucks. I feel so bad for the Ravens. J.K. Dobbins, Marcus Williams, it's not good. But speaking of Marcus Williams, his backup, once again, Geno Stone, the Easter Island head emoji returns, if you know, you know. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's he didn't have great usage last week. He had pretty poor tackle efficiency last week, but that's DB play. That's going to happen. Uh, they're going up against the Bengals this week. That is absolutely another story entirely. Out of 54 snaps last week, 34 of them were pass plays for the Bengals. That's got to spell good things for a safety, especially one that tends to line up a little on the deeper end. I feel like this could also be a really great week for Kyle Hamilton. I mean, we saw what Grant Delpit did last week. I know it's possibly a bit of a downgrade just because of the loss of a, you know, a solid deep safety. But still, Kyle Hamilton is fine. He might have had a down week, but I'm not too concerned about that. Somebody that had an up week, though, Odafe Owe. Oh my goodness. It's about time, I guess. I mean, like what, three years into his career, all of a sudden he's good now. Uh, Good for him. Super, super happy. He had seven pressures last week on 36 pass rush snaps. Zero sacks. However, that's bound to change. I think Joe Burrow is going to be... uh, Okay, I'm not going to like overstate this. I'm not out here saying Joe Burrow is some big like sack expert. But I think the fact is that that pressure to sack conversion rate like that's going to fluctuate he's going to have an opportunity for a sack here and i'm i'm starting to kind of buy in on the hype i was pretty cold in the offseason didn't take a whole lot of him in best ball but that's a uh, that's good good to see i'll say that nope i, I I'm, I'm excited to see that right there was a lot of i think even in our chats right you know a lot of people were kind of down on owe i'm um, not really excited for him and yeah so hopefully this is something more to come for for him in terms of consistent production in those in that neighborhood right i mean obviously i don't think we can expect to see that many pressures every week but um yeah i'm, I'm excited for away this year uh from from the bengal side uh on the back half of that secondary i was a big dax hell fan uh week one um sean watson was apparently too there was no one else in the neighborhood and he decided to throw the ball directly to him uh, so great week for dax hill in that regard um, but really, I think the question for a lot of people sometimes comes down to, you know, like a, a Dax Hill or a Nick Scott, who do we like more in some of these situations? Um, and honestly, I think they're both good plays. So, um, you know, not to try and sit on the fence too hard on this one. Um, they both have decent uh, alignment in terms of getting some opportunities up in those sweet spots so that that D-line, uh, that nickel spot, and, and specifically in that box role like a linebacker, uh, Nick Scott tended to see a bit more of that, but not. Not where he had a stranglehold on it either. So I think that I, I personally am going to lean Dax Hill. I just like his versatility and playmaking skills. So not something I can fully quantify this early in the season um, with only one game started really under his belt um, in this role. But 
I, I lean Dax Hill a little bit over Nick Scott, but I think they're both, you know, viable DP, DB2 type candidates for our league. Um, then on the front front end of that defense, we have Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. Um, so again, kind of that same thing where, you know, two guys, very, very viable for IDP lineups, but some people, you know, they ask, okay, well, who do we like better, Trey Hendrickson or Sam Hubbard? Um, in this specific instance, um, against Ravens and, um, when doing a lot of research for defensive lines, one of the biggest things I like to understand in their matchups is how much does that quarterback like to hold on to the ball? Um, and I know when we look at the numbers, you look at like, oh, Lamar Jackson's at 3.11 seconds and, and Joe Burrow's at 2.5 and, you know, it's 0.6 seconds. How much of a difference does that truly make? But it, it makes a world of difference here. Um, when you look at some of these matchups and what happens on an NFL field, um, and the speed that these guys play at. So, um, you know, I'm really, really excited for actually Trey Hendrickson this week. Uh, I think this is something where um, he's he's shown the ability to clean up sacks pretty consistently um, when quarterbacks tend to hold on to the ball longer. So I really, really like Trey Hendrickson a lot this week. Sam Hubbard still has a great floor based on just plays a ton of snaps and <laughs> really good in the run game. So um, I think they're great, great options, both of them, um, here against the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, man. Let's go ahead and move on to the Seahawks at the Detroit Lions. Um, I will say Julian Love. I'll, let's go ahead and just start off with him here. First of all, great usage. Like, really, really good usage. Now, they played like 81 snaps on defense. So anybody that plays that many snaps is going to get a ton of tackles. And I'll talk more about that later. But I thought that that was really, really promising to see that he is taking that box safety role like we were hoping he would. However. As of an hour ago, Jamal Adams is back at practice. So, he was limited. We'll see if he plays. If Jamal Adams does play, I would be concerned about Julian Love. I don't know if I'd be starting Jamal Adams. I would probably prefer to see what they do with those two players first. But if Jamal Adams waits another week to come back, you can go ahead and fire up Julian Love again, no problemo. The player that I do want to talk about is Jordan Brooks. because. Oh my gosh. Again, another player that I talked about on the pod earlier this week. What, eight months after ACL surgery? He's out here playing 60-something percent of the snaps. He had like a 23% tackle efficiency. Like, just insane. Definitely not sustainable, but also maybe sustainable because it's Jordan Brooks and we've seen him do it before. And he's not even playing a full allotment of snaps yet. So once his snap share continues to increase, and I expect that it will, that dude is going to just continue to ball at the rate that he was playing before. So that's something I'm really, really excited about. Let's go ahead and move on to your side of things. And I just got to say, the crazy thing is, is it wasn't just him like piling up all these tackles on his own. Bobby Wagner had 19 himself. <laughs> so it's like, all right, it's just back to this two linebacker look where they're super, super valuable in Seattle. I guess that's just... Something to do with the 12th man in, in their field. I have no idea. Um, but speaking of, you know, those box areas of the linebacker look, and, and really I want to understand what's going on there. Um, in Detroit, we got Alex Anzalone, Jack Campbell, Derek Barnes, Malcolm Rodriguez. We got got a, a flurry in the stable of linebackers here. And, and really, Alex Anzalone is the only one who kind of stood out in terms of he's getting the pure volume. Um, he's also getting the poor PFF tackle grades. Uh, so down, down there in the reds, uh, not something we like to see for our middle linebackers, um, especially ones that we're putting in there for hundred percent of the snaps. And, you know, we want to see at least 10, 11, 12% tackle efficiency to, 
to help us understand what kind of floor we're getting from production for these guys. Um, so a little concerning there. Um, I think I still stand by my call that by the bye week, Jack Campbell is going to be the one leading this uh, linebacker room. That said, right now, week two, I'm still watching. Um, you know, there was a clear split in rotation with Derek Barnes, Malcolm Rodriguez, and, and Campbell. It seemed to be Barnes and Campbell initially with Campbell kind of maybe getting more of the, the looks later in the game against the Chiefs in week one. Um, but I, I'm only playing them in, in you know, break, break glass in case of emergency type of situations. Um, anyone outside of Anzalone. Um, on the front, obviously, Hutchinson looked amazing and should smash this week um, against the Seahawks offensive line that, that struggled and <clears throat> just brought in Jason Peters, I think 41-year-old Jason Peters off the street. Um, and has another injured tackle as well. So, um, but really, it's Charles Harris on the other side. He was got who got amazing volume um, on 35 snaps. Was able to produce 35 pass rush attempts. Was able to produce four pressures. Not elite numbers, but still very good. And if he's going to have a favorable matchup here against the Seahawks, um, that's someone that you know. If you're looking at streaming a DL2, DL3 type situation, you could do a lot worse than Charles Harris this week. Um, so. I'm I'm very comfortable firing him up in this matchup uh, against the Seattle Seahawks. I will uh, say I was spacing out there for a sec. Did you mention that the Seahawks right tackle just got placed on IR? I didn't specifically say that. I mentioned they were injured and they signed Jason Peters, but that would be exactly why those things happened, like signing Jason Peters, because their right tackle just went on IR. Yes. So totally agree with you there. Let's go ahead and move on to the Chargers at the Titans. Now, I got to start off by talking about Khalil Mack because he was surprisingly solid in week one. Not even surprisingly solid. Like, it's Khalil Mack. If he has a good game, I don't think anybody's out here, like, losing their minds. He's a pretty good player. Now, he didn't convert his six pressures into sacks yet, but you have to assume that that's going to happen eventually. Tua just gets rid of the ball so quickly, it's not going to be something that he's going to, you know, get a lot of sacks on. In addition. I think Joey Bosa has a chance of missing this week. I know he had some hamstring tightness. I think it was questionable. I don't know if he's out. Not that that really matters. The point here is Khalil Mack probably has some positive regression in the pressure to sack conversion rate department. What is interesting is Kenneth Murray and his 90% snap share. <laughs> I don't want to hype up Kenneth Murray. I'm, I'm going to be digging myself a hole here. But he played 90% of snaps. He graded terribly because it's Kenneth Murray, and of course, and he didn't get very many tackles. But it's a linebacker that's playing a solid allotment of snaps, and even if you're bad, that's going to lead to fantasy points at some point. And this week could very well be a week where that happens. So obviously, Khalil Mack, I hyped him up, but just to give a little more context to that, the, the Titans' offensive line pressure rate is 29th. That's basically the third worst offensive line in the league. Yes, he's going to get home. Uh, if there was a like Khalil Mack half a sack bet over under prop on underdog, I would be betting the over on that every single time. I I got to say, I'm really disappointed they have less sack props on there. Like that's the one thing where I'm like, I feel really good when I'm streaming D linemen, like not to toot my own horn, but I feel good about those things. And like, dang, they just, <laughs> they don't do much of those. So, um, but you know, and if you're, if you're signed up for the newsletter, Hashtag spoiler alert. Lil Max, one of my starts this week. Um, all right. Well, moving on to the Titans. Um, 
Aziz Al Shair. Speaking of, you know, my start sit uh, article, check it out. Aziz Al Shair's in there. I'll let you guess what he is because I'm going to say fire him up. This is another great matchup for him as a linebacker here. Uh, I think he's. This has got LB one upside written all over it for me. Um, Chargers uh, clearly have an efficient offense with Kellen Moore. Um, they show that they still want to establish the run even in neutral game scripts. Um, you know, they were in a shootout last week uh, against the Dolphins. They still found a way to run the ball um, 40 times uh, out of 76 plays, and they ran it well. I think they ran for almost 180, 190 team yards. Um, and so Titans, you know, they, they got some strong guys up front um, in the pass rush game. Uh, so I, I see plenty of opportunities in the run defense for Brzee Zalshir to step up as they try to balance some of that out. Um, and speaking of that intense pass rush, 15 pressures that'd be good for a team but no that was just your two edge rushers Arden Key and Danico Autry eight and seven respectively just absolutely bonkers right like the the Saints I don't know how Derek Carr like has any energy left even at this point in the week he was running absolutely scared from these guys um I you know, Adam Adam's been on Arden Key for a while. Autry's been someone that's been talked about at, at, at pretty good length. I mean, these guys are strong DL two candidates at this point. Um, and, and in a matchup where they're probably, you know, they're 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 playing a middle of the pack offensive line in terms of the Chargers. Um, and you know, and they have you know Rashawn Slater out there, but just pure volume alone and the talent that they have, this still makes them very very viable this week. Um, and I, I'm firing up both uh, Arden Key. Nico Autry and Aziz, I'll show you where I can. Yeah, man, those guys. Oh my gosh. That was an absolute clinic. I kept getting notifications about like Arden Key got a sack. Arden Key got a sack or something like that. I don't, I don't remember what specific pressure or what specific notifications I was getting. I just remember hearing a lot about Arden Key having a lot of success against <laughs> Derek Carr. Um, all righty, let's go ahead and move on to the Bears at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For starters, this is probably the biggest disparity in offensive line pressure rates we will see in football. In fact, it absolutely is because you literally cannot get a bigger disparity. The Bears offensive line pressure rate is 32nd in the league. Buccaneers first in the league. Will that have some regression? Of course, we only have one week worth of sample size, but still the point is there is a very big difference here. Um, I want to first talk about Yannick Ngakwe. He got a sack last week off of two pressures. I don't think he's going to have the same level of success here. Will he have as many pressures? Probably not. Will he convert those fewer pressures into a sack? Also, probably not. He could. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to rule it out. I'm just saying, don't expect week one production from Yannick and Gakwe to be a consistent thing. This Bears defensive line is still garbage. Like, yes, they added a bunch. That's how bad it was last year. They basically overhauled the entire defensive line, and it's still trash. So... Sorry, Bears fans. <laughs> I, that's, that's all I got to say there. Jack Sanborn, I will say, was surprising. I saw the underdog prop. They had him at like six tackles, and I was like, wait. Jack Sanborn's going to get playing time? And uh, he did. Did I bet the under? Absolutely. And he hit the under because it's Jack Sanborn. He was like the third linebacker there. So do not be mistaken by his like two or three tackles he made. He is not, I think, I think, in the, at least personally, I don't think he's a start-worthy player. They have two guys there, Edmonds, Edwards. They are the two that you want to be starting. But Jack Sanborn is not the kind of guy that you want to have in your starting lineup anytime soon unless one of those two starters gets injured. 
Yeah, totally agree. It was it was really interesting. We I know in the in the IDP chat, right? It was hey, they're running out three linebackers and the Packers are running out a fullback. And we're like, cool, it's 1997 again. Like this is, this is awesome. Didn't expect this this week. So uh but on the other side, we got the Buccaneers. Um, you know, the the Bears do have again a pretty bad offensive line. Uh they had a bad one last year. You know, you talked about how they overhauled their defensive line. They tried to do something similar with their offensive line. It did not seem to net any positive results yet at this point. Um, so when you look at who, you know, on the other side for Shaq Barrett, um, a Joe Tryon Trianka, you know, are, are these guys we're looking to put in our lineups? Um, you know, week one showed us that maybe maybe Tryon Trianka is not the guy we were hoping he could be with the first round draft capital. Um, and Shaq Barrett, maybe he's not fully back yet. But if you're in a situation where these are the guys you got, um, this is the matchup to put them in there. You know, might want to plug your nose or hold your breath a little bit as you do it. Um, but you know, if you if you got to plug one of these guys in as a DL three, I'm willing to give Shaq Baird another week or two just to you know let him get some comfort in in terms of game speed and playing at that level um, after his injury. But you know, Joe Tryon Shank, if, if he can't give us something this week, I'm sure there's people who are probably saying drop him even before the season. Um, if he if he does very little against this porous Bears offensive line, I would be I'd be hard pressed to keep him on my roster at that uh, moving forward. So, um, in the last note, just want to call out Antoine Winfield. There was kind of some talk about how he's going to shift away from that you know slot role near the line of scrimmage to that deep safety. He showed us he could do that early on in his career, his rookie year, his second year. Um, now he's back in there again. Still just finding ways to deliver. They're also finding ways and reasons to bring him up closer to the line of scrimmage. You know, he was able to get a strip sack um, in week one. So you're, you're, you're constantly keeping Winfield in your lineup if you didn't already know that. So maybe just a little bit of confirmation bias for myself there. Yeah. Let's go ahead and move on to the Kansas City Chiefs and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Chiefs, surprising loss in week one. Maybe not so surprising without Travis Kelsey. He's back at practice. You know who else is back at practice? Chris Jones. That's who you're referring to, right? Yes. I was like, air horns were going off in my head, so I hope everyone else heard them too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely heard them. <laughs> definitely. Um, That means great things for everybody else in the defensive line. Their leaders in pressure so far this season are George Karloftis at three and Michael Donna, or Mike Donna. I don't know. Does he go by Michael? Probably not. Mike Donna at two. Uh, FAU also had two pressures, but Mike Donna's the one that converted on his two. So, those guys should have some more efficiency with actual somebody, you know, somebody decent on the interior of that defensive line. Now going up against the 12th rated offensive line pressure rate Jaguars offensive line. Now who I really want to take a second to talk about here is the one and only Trent McDuffie. Jake, honestly, like I ought to just give you some airtime here to sing some praises, <laughs> but Trent McDuffie to not Jake surprise had an incredible week one. That is expectation, honestly. Like, yeah, sure, there's variance. It'll fluctuate a little bit, but McDuffie is legit. McDuffie is that good. Nobody here should be surprised that he makes the plays that he makes, and he's absolutely a guy that you want to continue to throw in your starting lineup if you can. I feel like we should just, like, we were literally texting back and forth during the game. We're like, we're like, oh, McDuffie's getting the snaps, and oh, they're talking about, like, Chris Collinsworth is talking about Trent McDuffie in the slot role, and then, then he forced the fumble and he like racked up eight tackles. It was just, yeah, me and Evan were just, again, just, just building up our own, our own takes here. So we, at least the two of us think we're great. I mean, we are, I, I like that. 
<laughs> we'll go on to the other side. Then we got the Jaguars. Um, we got first round last year, first round pick Devin Lloyd. Um, hundred percent snaps. Great. We love to see that. That was something that there was concern last year when Chad Muma came in at one point. Um, took away his role um, as a starter. Was cutting into his role a bit at the end of the year. Then there was some talk. You know, Devin Lloyd came out and said he just wasn't you know physically fit for the whole season. Um, not used to the rigors of the NFL schedule. And so hopefully for those who have Devin Lloyd on their team, um, this is the case, and he's going to be able to uh, play 100% of the snaps for the entirety of the season or close to it. Um, but he really didn't do much with it. Only four tackles and eight pass rush snaps. So um, not a lot of upside there for someone who had some hopes that that would be a, a real significant part of his game. Um, so for Lloyd, based on volume, based on this matchup, um, and the amount of passing and the pass rate that the Chiefs have always historically had, and they've continued to show us that they will have, um, even at the start of this year, I think Devin Lloyd's still, you know, someone that you can plug in that DB or the LB two three range, but probably maybe leaning a little bit closer to that three side, um, just just due to some underperformance here. Um, then when we look at the secondary, we got Rayshon Jenkins and Andre Cisco. Um, kind of again one of those situations where two capable IDP IDP players for us. Um, but really, where do people land on them? Um, I still think it's kind of close. But for me this week, I lean Cisco. I think Cisco's closer to that DB two range. Uh, Jenkins, even with his strong box utilization, um, he's just never performed well in his tackle efficiency to make me feel really great or comfortable about those numbers. Um, outside of last season so i have a little bit of hesitation he's more of a db3 for me this week um based again based on the matchup with the jacksonville j or the with the kansas city chiefs i cannot focus here apparently today so take take it away evan i'm I'm struggling all right indianapolis colts at the houston texans first guy i want to talk about shaquille leonard he played he played 60 out of 70 snaps ish like okay He's back. He's still healthy. Let's see if he continues to get more snaps. Was he uber productive on those snaps? Not really. But honestly, nobody on that defense was, well, we don't, not not referring to the defensive line, of course, but I guess everybody else, right? Linebackers, secondary, like the only person that did anything was Zaire Franklin and he was stealing everybody's lunch money. So good for him. He had like the highest tackle efficiency I probably have ever seen at like 27.8%. So great. You got your week. He's going to have productive weeks down the road, but I don't think he's going to have that high of tackle efficiency consistently, which should allow Julian Blackman, Shaquille Leonard, other guys to have some playmaking opportunity as well. Speaking of that defensive line, though, Quiddy Pay, pretty good. Pretty good. Going up against the number 18th offensive line in the Texans. So. He should be pretty productive. That defensive line looks pretty solid. And I was hoping to see how the rotation would sort out if he was going to be the number one guy there, if Ebucam was going to, you know, rotate in over him. But could he pay made uh, played more snaps? So seems like he's the the number one in the doghouse there. Doghouse? I feel like that was the wrong word to use there. He's not in the doghouse, but you know what I mean. He's he's the, the leader of the clubhouse. How about that? That's what I was going for. I was going to say, is it the stable? Because they're the Colts, like they're horses. Oh, that, that would have been so good. That's why that, you do yeah. the talking. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I focus on wordplay, not not IDP. 
No, but the uh, those things I do want to focus on this week. Um, Will Anderson. Uh, I mean, I, I, you guys didn't give me too much crap, but you definitely gave me some crap when you're like, they traded what to go back up to the number three spot and get Will Anderson. And I mean, I love the talent then. And I said to them, if they, like I said, then if he truly is going to be the face of this defense moving forward, um, pick's going to look, going to look like a good one in the end. Week one showed us that we are on the, on the right trajectory towards that. Um, he looked, he looked the part. 26 pass rush snaps, created five pressures, a sack, five tackles on top of that. Um, I mean, this, this guy's plug and play in your lineup at this point. Um, again, maybe maybe my, my personal bias is showing through, but, I mean, he, he looked good out there. He had, he had a motor. He was able to keep, uh, keep pushing through um, on longer plays against a quarterback like Lamar Jackson who holds the ball. He was someone that was aggressive in the run game but still was able to play within it you know the concept of the defense it seemed at times he wasn't getting too far out of position so he just he seems like he's got a lot going on for him really well after one game in the nfl so i I, like i said i don't want to get too far ahead of my skis and say he is the face of this franchise or the defense just yet um but he is definitely moving in that path and i love to see it so for idp let let's ride um you know because the horse stable references and and also wilson um uh christian harris um as the the linebacker um who had some buzz coming around in the offseason that he might be the green dot you know might be a hundred percent snap guy um maybe him and perriman you know are both hundred percent and they both can really have that value um harris did okay week one he had he had the the big play in the sack to help lift him up uh, i think six total tackles so not anything super concerning in terms of actual production it was really the 72% snap count that's concerning. Um, you know, in, in, in today's age, I really like to see my linebackers that I'm going to be comfortable plugging in, especially at LB3 or higher. I like to see them much closer to that 80% plus range. And if we can, we can, you know, we're smart enough where we can stay on top of things here, get them closer to that 90% range, right? We really, really, really want to have that floor for our, for our linebackers. Um, and to have week one already, already, uh, teetering down towards 70 percent you you can definitely fire him up this week in that lb3-4 range but i would i would just have some caution in terms of your roster construction and also you might want to be looking to see where you can find some depth in your linebacker room because there might be some better options on the waiver wire come you know one to two weeks down the road speaking of great options on the waiver wire texans slot cornerback tavier thomas he's legit his production this week was not a fluke. He has great usage. I think if you need a guy that can be like a, you know, kind of a fill in at, at a cornerback required league or just like a really deep DB, like he's got some good upside just because of that usage. He's not a full-time player yet, but that's fine. He's he's fine. Let's go ahead and move on to the San Francisco 49ers at the Los Angeles Rams. First things first, Drake Jackson. Um, I... I guess he really missed Kenny Pickett. I understand he's like a really friendly guy and you kind of want to hang out. So Drake Jackson played Kenny Pickett quite a few visits last week. They were pretty good buddies spending a lot of time together because he sacked him three times on five pressures. So that revolving door of an offensive line in Pittsburgh continues to be what it is. And Drake Jackson was the benefactor of that. But not only Drake Jackson, the entire defensive line got pressures. I'm talking everybody. So, Drake Jackson, 
manage your expectations. I like him. He's a talented player. Just keep in mind, everybody on that defensive line was getting pressures. Drake Jackson had five. Nick Bosa had four. Austin Bryant had two. Cleland Farrell had two. Kerry Hyder had two. So, you know, keep that in mind. Nobody else converted on those pressures except for Kerry Hyder. Drake Jackson converted on three of five, and that's a 60% pressure to sack conversion rate. That's very high. That's not sustainable. So Drake Jackson, he's not going to be your new defensive line one set and forget. He's more of a streaming option, flex play, depending on the matchup kind of thing. But it's good to see that he can do it. I, I mean, it's better than, you know, a guy that can't do it, obviously. But just keep that in mind. Uh, Dre Greenlaw, on the other hand, we have seen him do it. This is not a surprise. He continues to be productive. Um, I mean, need I say more about Dre Greenlaw? He's he's good. I think we should probably expect a few more tackles from him going forward. Maybe he had a bit of a down week. But the point is, Dre Greenlaw is continuing to be great. So, obviously, if you've got him on your roster, you should be throwing him into your starting lineup as well. Yep. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, you ended up with six total tackles and a tackle for a loss. I think, I think a lot of people just expected more from him. I think a lot of high expectations this season right people a lot of people placing him ahead of fred warner in terms of idp production and other things so um i agree with you though i, I think this is just an anomaly at this point um but um for the rams speaking of an anomaly you know i don't think people expected the rams to be one and oh and have done it in such a dominant fashion over a team in the the seahawks that people had high expectations for them as well but um regardless uh some names from that side Rush Yeast. I think you and me talked about him several times throughout the offseason. You know, it was it was definitely more of a speculation at that point. Uh, but he got out there and he actually played pretty good. And there's there's some talks uh and you know, Rams beat reporters uh, in that space that you know Yeast is looked on as someone who, you know, is really making a name for himself on that defense and really carving out a a strong role. And as such, uh, a bigger name that a lot of Rams fans and others are familiar with and John Johnson the third. He might not be someone that we're really looking to roster at this point. Um, I know he's he's got some cachet based on IDP production he's had in the past, but I I would be holding off on adding John Johnson to my roster, and I would be looking for Rush East if you haven't already. Hundred percent snaps, um, played well, green across the board in PFF. Um, just really manage the expectations. All right, he is he is almost a pure deep safety, uh, and it showed in terms of his production. I think two total tackles. Um, but, you know, it's a great depth piece in terms of, you know, if you need to have that on your roster for bye weeks or for injuries, um, you should you should be having rushies somewhere. You should not be on waivers unless you're in a very, very shallow league. Um, but another young guy, rookie, um, who made a name for himself for the Rams this week, uh, Byron Young. Uh, that's Byron Young, the edge rusher, number zero, not the, not the interior defender for the Raiders, uh, which I still managed to get them wrong in almost every aspect uh, at times. Um, but yeah, he had 22 pass rush snaps and turned that into five pressures. Um, the one caveat, well, I'll throw out there. We talked about how the Seahawks are a favorable matchup last week due to the injuries at the tackle spot. Well, that's exactly who the Rams took on and who Byron Young had to, to face off against. So he definitely had a plus matchup kind of, you know, in that game automatically. Um, you know, he turned it into one sack and three tackles. Good have strong volume play. So I think there's definitely. Um, some potential there in terms of him being, you know, a DL two or three in some streaming uh, matchups. 
I might hold off on him here against the 49ers. Uh, not maybe as strong of a matchup for him overall. But again, if you if you got to play him because of you know your own injuries or your own situations in terms of your roster construction, I, I am okay with Byron Young as, as a DL3 this week against the 49ers. All right, let's go ahead and talk about the New York Giants at the Arizona Cardinals. Wow. Week one was something. So the Giants had their season, I guess. Now the Cowboys, let's give credit where it's due, very, very good team. I think the Giants are going to be better, which is why they're favored in this game by five and a half points which actually might be a lot, to be honest. But I think there is good reason because, number one, their defensive line is still solid. Even in a complete blowout, their defensive tackle, nose tackle Dexter Lawrence, still had four pressures, which is pretty cool. Now, the guys that we should be more so interested in as far as a, you know, edge rusher standpoint really is, is Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari, specifically Kayvon Thibodeau because he played 10 more snaps. He got zero pressures last week. That will not be the case this week. Speaking of having a revolving a revolving door at offensive line, okay, I shouldn't I shouldn't be too rude to the Cardinals, but it's not as good as the Cowboys' offensive line. Let's say that. Yes, their offensive line pressure rate is ranked number ten. That's going to go down as you know once they face some better pass rushers. I should say Chase Young was missing last week, so take that as you will. But Kayvon Thibodeau, he should be due for some regression in the positive direction. Which, by the way. Regression doesn't mean negative. It just means a return to the mean. So don't get on me about my use of the word there. Other guys, though, that are pretty interesting here are Mike McFadden. There was some debate about what the number two linebacker spot would look like. The debate's over. It's Mike McFadden. No, it's not Isaiah Simmons. He played 15 snaps. Mike McFadden played 43, graded pretty well, and earned a lot of tackles. That is not a fluky production. That was legit. So Micah McFadden can now be a guy that you can start in deeper leagues as maybe like a linebacker four, linebacker five, maybe a linebacker three if you're desperate. The point is he's not a full-time player, but he's an efficient tackler, so he kind of falls into the same bucket as all those other guys. So play him in those formats. But let's go ahead and move on to the uh, tanking for Bryce Young Cardinals. Did I say Bryce Young? Caleb Williams. Crashing for for Caleb, I don't know. That, other people, yeah. See, like I that one not so good. We'll see. I'll come up with something. Um, but yeah, the the Cardinals. Um, hey, they were they were in the game against the the Commanders. Um, maybe Jonathan Gannon is putting together or putting his you know kind of his mark on this defense in a way that you know this might be a viable team in terms of competing in games more than they should. Not necessarily saying they're going to win a ton, but. Um, you know, he, he, they turned out a, a respectable performance. Uh, one kind of notable one, um, Kayvon Wallace in that secondary, right? So there's there's Buda Baker, uh, there's Jalen Thompson. Uh, the talk uh, in the offseason of Jalen Thompson really moving into that slot role um, and playing heavily there. That that was true. Um, that's exactly where his the bulk of his alignment looks like it's going to be this season. Um, so who is the person playing deep with Buda Baker then or playing that, that split safety role? Um, Kayvon Wallace and on a 70% snap count, bring that into seven tackles. Um, that's really solid performance overall. And, you know, just based on the defense, maybe again, outperforming expectations doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be good on the field all of a sudden. Um, I still think they're going to see plenty of volume. And with that, you know, someone like a Kayvon Wallace, if he's getting that kind of consistent utilization, 
has potential to be more. Um, and by more, you know, maybe even in that DB3-4 range. Um, and I only say that because at one point, Buda Baker wanted to be off this team in the offseason. Um, and so, again, that's not saying go grab Kayvon Wallace, put him in as your DB3 or 4 right now. But if he's out there and you have that, that deep of a league, you should be considering him, um, especially you know, when we get into the situation of bye weeks and injuries as we move forward. So um, just, just a, a surprise name to really try and add for depth. Um, or potentially get into those lineups if, if you need to play someone that deep in your league. Um, <laughs> I see I see. Evan added a note in here uh, for our next a lovable fella uh, by the name of Dennis Gardek, the Barbarian. So is, is this is this self-proclaimed? Is this Evan proclaimed? Where does this come from? Apparently, this is just a nickname that people have for him. I was only oh. recently become aware of it, but apparently Dennis Gardek's the Barbarian. Dennis the Barbarian Garduk, as it shall be formally known going forward, I decree. <laughs> 15 pass rush snaps, three pressures, two sacks, two tackles. Um, you know, it, it was a favorable matchup against the the Washington Commanders, but eh, that's who he had, and he, you know, he made he made it most of it. And so he's someone who, based on his performance, he looked good out there, um, even in a favorable matchup. I think that this is someone that's still streamable in that that DL three range for us moving forward uh, as an edge rusher. Um, again, I don't I don't know that I'm plug it's plug and play as a DL three, but um, when when all of a sudden your lineups are needing that kind of help there, you can do that. Uh, you can bring Garduck in and have that type of depth ready and available there. I mean, plus he's got an awesome nickname like the Barbarian. It's almost like I don't know if you know that Leighton Vanderesh, his nickname is Wolf Hunter, so. Like I discovered that last off season, I was just blown away at the T-shirt you can buy of LVE Wolf Hunter. So, sorry. I'm pretty sure you taught me that. Actually, that was uh, <laughs> very impressive to hear. Oh uh, well, we can move on because I don't know how you move on from LVE the Wolf Hunter. Yeah, that was. I I don't think a transition exists for that. So let's just go ahead and move on to the New York Jets at the Dallas Cowboys. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my gosh! I'm not going to talk about Aaron Rodgers, but I will talk about Quincy Williams and his full-time snap share, which is pretty great because he didn't have that last year, and oh gosh, he crushed it. Quincy Williams became good, at least in this game. Great to see, really, really great PFF grade, crushed it in the tackle efficiency department. He's legit. He will continue to be legit. John Franklin Myers, though, is the guy that I want to talk about. He was a guy that's been propped up a lot. This offseason, I've been drafting him a bunch in best ball. Eight pressures against the Buffalo Bills for a sack. That's talk about like a pressure to sack conversion rate that could regress in the positive direction. That's a what, like a 12.5% conversion rate, if my mental math is correct. It's like literally one divided by eight. It's not that hard. So thank you for the thumbs up, Jake. But John Franklin Myers is a guy who's getting the pressures on that defensive line. The Cowboys offensive line, I know they're known for having a good offensive line, but they're only ranked. 16th that's very middle of the pack so i think that the jets should expect to have some success here in the situation and if there's going to be a player that has it at this point at least it seems like john franklin myers is the guy to have so if he's available in your league at least stash him on your bench and see if he continues to produce but if you need a starter look his way all right i i I just brought up the wolf hunter so i could talk more about the wolf hunter as we move on to the cowboys and the Wolf Hunter, LVE, Leighton Vanderash. Um, only 69% of the snaps um, when you look at the box score. 
don't be box score hunting in this match, uh, in, in that week one matchup. It was a 40 point blowout. Um, they were pulling starters. LVE was one of those guys to go earlier. You know, I don't know if injury narrative, you know, or whatever it is, um, even within that, within that coaching staff there, but they, they had him off the field pretty early once that game was well within control. Um, still, still solid performance. So overall, I, I want to say six tackles. Um, so don't, don't get too concerned about some of the numbers when you look at that. Uh, a matchup against the Jets who, unless they really do something different here, they showed in, in the, the situation that with Nathaniel Hackett and Zach Wilson, um, their quick thinking on their feet led to, we're going to run the ball a lot, and then we're going to throw the ball to the running backs a lot right at the line of scrimmage. And if that's the case, um, look for LVE to be hunting down all those Brees Wolf, Brees Wolf, Brees Hall Wolves, Wolves. I don't know where I'm going with this. Let's leave it. Move on. Uh, move on to something much greater like Osi Odigazua. I don't think I got that right either. Oh, well. Um, four pressures, two sacks, on only 16 pass rush snaps. So same thing again, limited snaps, but man, did, they, did he turn in a performance with it? Um, I know a lot of the guys in, in the IDP show space here have been, they've been on this um, for, for some time now. All, all you can say is it, it's here. It's it's continuing to happen. Um, fire him up. He's got DT one upside um, in DT required leagues, and you know I'm I'm comfortable if that's if that's what you got for there, and, and you're starting him uh, as such. So um, the Jets have a little bit better interior offensive line than they do on the edge um, in terms of their tackles, but there's just too much going on in that defensive front for the Cowboys. So um, yeah, fire fire up double O. Oh, double O. I like that nickname. Okay. Did you just pull that out of thin air? I, that was impressive. I, I did. I did. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and move on to the Washington Commanders at the Denver Broncos. Now, we'll, we'll get into the, the offensive line situation here in a sec. But first things first, let's talk about James Smith-Williams. Now, he was the guy that was filling in for Chase Young in week one. Chase Young is continuing to work himself back from injury, so keep an eye on Chase Young's injury status. If Chase Young's back, James Smith-Williams, you can just drop him. If Chase Young is still out and you really need a guy, you could look his way, but keep in mind the Broncos' offensive line pressure rate is fourth, so I'm not super high on him. I would rather just take somebody else. Just, he's a name to know. There's a reason why he's scoring points right now. That's why. Somebody that is interesting, though, is Cody Barton. He played the full-time role, not Jamin Davis, but he had a 10% lower tackle efficiency than Jamin Davis. Between those two things, the thing that I think is more likely to change is the tackle efficiency, of course. So I think Cody Barton, his tackles should increase, or at least regress to the mean, positively. So hold out some faith on Cody Barton. His usage is there. His tackle efficiency should catch up soon. So let's see how he does in this game. but. I'm okay starting him in like a linebacker three spot if needed. Nice. On the Broncos side, they have a much more desirable matchup against the commander's O-line that rated 31st in terms of pressures allowed. Um, so that's good, especially for someone like Randy Gregory, who struggled to generate any pressures uh, last week. So another fella coming off injury from us, um, but really showed um, in limited stints pre-injury and even a, a little bit, uh, coming back from the injury last year, that he, he's still he still got something there, right? And especially before the injury, he was really actually um, on a tear and really looked like he was going to have a great season last year. 
this this is the time to see if he's going to get it right and this is the this is an ideal matchup um i think you know you can you can play him as a dl3 this week um you know it's great obviously in those best ball type formats we've been playing all off season uh but definitely you know pay pay close attention to this right if this is a matchup where randy gregory struggles again we might want to consider um moving on from him at some point here in the near future um in terms of that secondary, uh, Caden Stearns and Kareem Jackson were kind of the big talk uh, at the end of this at the end of the off season. Uh, Caden Stearns seemed to kind of have that second safety role alongside Justin Simmons, pretty much on lockdown. Kareem Jackson came in late in the off season, re-signed with them, uh, and now Caden Stearns is on to IR. Uh, Jackson is basically wheels up as the safety two um, alongside Simmons, and they really kind of split that role. Uh, right down the middle of the field and you see you know both of them get some box looks some get the you know some slot looks but um, it's not super valuable in terms of alignment so um, and and Kareem Jackson is someone that um, definitely on the back end of his career doesn't necessarily put up great numbers but you know if you need that DB4 DB5 range type play I think that's someone that you can definitely have um, or again getting ready for injuries or bye weeks and things that will naturally come up along the way through our season um definitely definitely a name you can start stashing um in some of those deeper leagues another guy i want to shout out real quick for the broncos defensive line jonathan cooper i think there's a very very high chance that somebody on this defensive line at least one person gets home with a sack it could be randy gregory it could be jonathan cooper heck it could even be zach allen who missed two tackles last week so We'll see. But just know this is a great matchup for the Broncos. Now let's go ahead and move on to the Miami Dolphins versus the New England Patriots. The new New England offense is looking like somebody that knows what offense is supposed to look like is calling offensive plays. So that's good for fantasy. And now let's go ahead and talk about the defensive side of the ball. David Long. Now we have a question regarding him. We'll talk about it a little more later, but yes, absolutely. The WTF here is is so true. Why that's fantastic is, of course, what that's referring to. David Long. (laughs) That was such an unnecessary comment. Um, Don't start him. Don't start him. It's so sad to see. I really liked him. I thought he was great in Tennessee. I don't know what's going on. I need to see him have a full-time role, maybe even consistently before I'm willing to start him. Actually, Jake, here's a question for you. Let's say David Long and Andrew Van Ginkle swap usage. How would you feel about David Long after that? I would feel like that's the David Long I thought I was getting coming into week one here at a minimum. Um, And I would be much more interested in him because I think David Long can do much more in that off-ball role than Andrew Van Ginkle can, someone who has almost exclusively played edge prior to the season. So I don't know if Vic Fangio is big brain energy in himself, like galaxy brain in himself way out of this stuff. But I mean, what do I know? I'm sitting here in my basement talking about IDP. He's an actual defensive coordinator. So mm-hmm. but. I will say Van Ginkle is defensive line eligible on sleeper. If he continues to play as the primary linebacker too in this defense, he's definitely somebody that you can kind of cheat code a little bit, even though he only had a 10% tackle efficiency. So 
I think the reason for that is because both safeties just absolutely had themselves a day. If they have a little bit of regression to the mean, I think that will leave more tackle opportunities for the other linebackers. But they got to be on the field to get those tackles, and David Long is not on the field right now. So wait to see what's going on with him. But Javon Holland. Now here's a guy who gets some tackles. I don't necessarily think that that regression to the mean is something that's going to make Javon Holland go from a very relevant starting player to a not relevant starting player. Now, maybe he has a little bit of regression, so maybe he doesn't hit those high highs like he hit in week one, but I still think he's great, and I still think that this is a great game to start him in. All right. Well, on the other side, uh, for the Patriots, uh, Christian Barmore, a name that I think a lot of us coming into last season were actually quite excited about, um, especially in those DT required formats where this is a, this was a guy we saw a lot of pass rush effectiveness. Um, I think, you know, he's got some, I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I think he's got some metrics relatively comparable in terms of pass rush success as rookie year to, to the one great Aaron Donald. Um, and a lot of people were like, okay, I see you. What do we got now? Um, and last year, not so much. Really kind of disappeared, faded into the background. Um, you know, but coming into this game here, week one, uh, 22 pass rush snaps, created four pressures, uh, two tackles. So again, looked looked a lot closer to what we thought we saw or what we did have in 2021 and, and what we were hoping for in 2022. So I think he's a strong DT2 option still. Um, you know, maybe more of that kind of upside swing type of play, not necessarily great in terms of the tackle floor and the run defense, but as an interior pass rusher, he he really has some strong upside. Um, and another pass rusher on that defense that, I mean, showed out why he was drafted where he was, uh, Keon White. Only 13 pass rush snaps, but four pressures. So 25% of the time, he's getting back there um, and creating pressure. Now, that didn't didn't necessarily stack up uh, in terms of IDP production for us this week, but he, he looks legit. And if you got the ability to stash him somewhere somehow, um, or you already got him on a taxi squad, well played, uh, I think the week one showed us that we we are in for some potential um, serious upside with him, especially if he can develop into um, a much more stronger rotational piece for that defense. Um, and then you're talking Josh Uche, Matthew Judon, and, and, and then Keon White on top of that. Um, kind of scary to think about, uh, but why should I be surprised that, you know, Bill Belichick's found a way to make a defense super, super potent and relevant in many ways. Except for IDP. Um, lastly, uh, Jabril Peppers, um, you know, big name coming out of college, big playmaker, a lot of a lot of hype. I think when he went to the Cleveland Browns, kind of faded into obscurity, and now here he is coming back. Week one, ninety percent of the snaps, um, nearly fifty percent in that sweet spot alignment, and you know, I think this is a guy who's a sneaky DB three four type range. I I just. They, they love having those types of versatile, flexible players on their, in the back half of their defense in, in New England. And if he's going to be a 90-plus percent snap guy, I think he's going to be put into position to make plays pretty consistently. Um, but just, again, that utilization is, is a little hesitant. So probably, again, closer to that back-end DB3, safety-3 type range. Yeah, you, you made a great point there when you said if. And I think it's important to point that out because it's Bill Belichick and you can never trust the guy. So it's like always the ideal best ball. Kyle Duggar hit 100% snap utilization. 
just gonna throw that out there. Whew. Actually, talk about positive regression candidates, Kyle Duggar. Hey. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say anything. You heard nothing. All right, let's go ahead and talk about the New Orleans Saints at the Carolina Panthers. And the first thing I got to mention is the Saints defensive line. They went to town. Everybody got some pressures except for Peyton Turner, who is now out getting surgery. The dude cannot stay healthy. I feel so bad for him. But whatever. Okay, actually, I'm thinking a little bit more about this. I'm going to take a quick tangent. This is the worst thing to do on a preview pod. I have constantly labeled myself as like, Mr. I don't believe in the injury prone label, but the more I think about it, like the more I wonder how true that is with like, can you actually like, you know, increase tendon thickness and like get super extra resilient, like, you know, carry the boats, become David Goggins. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just like become indestructible. I don't, this is so stupid. I don't know if that's actually a thing, but if it is a thing, then that would imply that there are also people that have like weak connective tissue and maybe Peyton Turner is just one of those people. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> the guy I'm talking about is Carl Granderson because he <laughs> is built different and is healthy and converts on his pressures. And the Panthers offensive line is ranked 24th, which is the bottom, whatever. Quartile. I'm not going to do the quartile. Is that the quartile? Is that the cutoff? Bottom. I think, I think it just hits it. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Bottom quartile. So, that's a fun word that you never get to use. Carl Granderson's got some really good pressures. He's getting a lot of volume on that defensive line opposite Cameron Jordan, who is still crushing it in his old age, alongside someone else who's also crushing it in their old age, Demario Davis. Now, the guy I'm actually going to talk about here is Marcus May, who is playing a full-time role with decent usage and, honestly, decent tackle efficiency, too. Like, I, I guess people were just really low on him for some reason. I don't know why, maybe just because he was injured so much last year. But the dude's healthy. He's playing a full-time role, and he's getting tackles. So if you're in a really deep league and you just need like a starting safety that's good enough to get to the ball, pick up Marcus May. At least give him a chance in your roster. So that's what matters. That's a difference maker. Maybe Marcus May also has skinny tendons, but we'll find out later if he lasts the season. All right. Well, I'm going to start off by talking about your tier gross matos, even though who I really want to talk about is Derek Brown, because that's what we're doing now, right? We're, we're in a tangent on people. And then, sorry, sorry, shots fired. I had to. <laughs> Derek Brown, um, you only had one pressure. Um, turn, you know, turn that into, I believe, one sack, but really a great, great tackle performance overall. Um, I think he showed what he can be in terms of a, 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 a top end run defender. Um, in the NFL, um, strong PFF pass rush grade though too. So maybe didn't get the pressures, but he was winning at the point of attack still. Um, and I, he's someone I was really in on this last off season. Um, as a as in a DT required league, I love Derek Brown. I'm comfortable with him in that you know low end DT one type range. Um, you know maybe some people would like him a little closer to kind of that high end DT two. But I think I think this is the, the direction and correct trajectory we should see for Derek Brown. Um, through the rest of the season. I know that playing the Atlanta Falcons is a great matchup in terms of, you know, trying to pile up stats in terms of tackles as they're just like, let's run the ball into the wall some more here. Um, but, you know, he, he was the one doing it. He was the one amassing them. And so when those opportunities are present, I think he's the one who's going to find a way to get them as well. Um, the other guy I wanted to talk about really quick was, was Shaq Thompson. Um, historically, a really strong tackler in terms of PFF, 
in terms of his actual IDP production. Um, however, this week he really, really kind of dropped off for me, and and for me that is a little concerning in the in the sense that Jack Thompson doesn't do a lot of other things for us in in IDP. Um, yes, he'll make a couple plays in pass coverage once in a while. Um, you know, he might be able to you know get involved in the pass rush game a little bit, but I mean he's quite literally just this this little homing beacon that floats around in the middle of the field and when the ball ball carrier or whoever comes near him he piles up and gets his tackle and, and moves on um so I, I i have some concern that we might be seeing him trend trend downwards a little bit so um i would give pause to him as, as a higher end linebacker option um i think this is a good matchup against the saints where he should be able to find a way um or have the opportunities to uh, build back up his tackle ability and floor a bit here. But if this continues negatively here early on in the season, um, this might be someone we want to start shying away from just a little bit. Yeah. Speaking of things to shy away from a little bit, I that transition came too soon. Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now I can talk about things to shy away from from a little bit. The Browns linebacker situation. I was really hoping that I wouldn't have to remember like so many names like Jordan Kunyazik, which is somehow a name that's still inside my brain from last year. Even with a new defensive coordinator, the Browns linebacker situation is still a mess. Anthony Walker and Sion Takitaki traded snaps and green helmet responsibilities. The only guy that actually got a decent workload was Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. And even he only got like 75% of snaps, which is a bummer because I was really hoping for better from him. So downgrade your expectations from him, but don't totally sell him short, if that makes sense. Like he still underperformed given how many tackles he got, or I guess how many snaps he got in week one. So I, I'm expecting some positive regression to the mean, but I'm also readjusting what the mean is given the fact that he's now a limited time player. So keep that in mind. The The hotel Pittsburgh is wide open. The doors are unlocked and Zadarius Smith is knocking. Kenny Pickett is getting ready for more visitors. Miles Garrett will be coming from one end, and Zadarius Smith will be coming from the other. Now, he got six pressures last week for zero sacks. This is probably the week where those convert. So both edge rushers are going to be great starts this week, but obviously you're starting Miles Garrett. So the other guy, Zadarius Smith, perhaps a more realistic option as a fringe guy that you might want to be putting into your starting lineup in this specific matchup. I, I love it, and yeah, I I saw some film where they were lining up uh, Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith on the same side too. I mean, they're they're Jim Schwartz is doing all kinds of stuff, and I I I don't know. I just picture like a kid in a candy store just running around like shouting at all these crazy ideas and just watching them work because he has the talent now to do it there. Um, and unfortunately, the Steelers get to feel the brunt of that this week. Um, but they got some talent on their side. They got obviously someone in T.J. Watt who. We, we, my goodness, what he did last week. Um, but you know, someone on the other side who was uh, a high drafted uh, player this year for us, and Alex Highsmith, you know, didn't really give us what we were hoping for per se, right? He he's definitely a strong volume play, nearly fifty snaps, um, two pressures on twenty pass rush snaps, very respectable. Um, you know, not not on, on par with some of the great performances we saw um, in other uh, teams here, but. You know, I think he's still a very, very solid DL2 for us this week. 
Um, the Browns are playing, uh, the Steelers are playing the Browns with Sean Watson, who is another one of those very, very long time to throw quarterbacks. He is someone that Watson produces almost his own sacks uh, in terms of how much he tries to do uh, once a play has broken down or when, once he's gotten kind of out of the structure of the offense. He loves to hold on to the ball and look downfield. And Alex Highsmith is, is exactly the type of person who can take advantage of those situations, um, especially even just from the aspect of cleaning up uh, things that TJ Watt might not get to actually this time. So maybe maybe Watt only has like a sack and a half, right? He has a down game. Um, and Alex Smith is allowed to maybe participate in some of that production as well for us. Um, then from one ambiguous linebacker room and situation in the Cleveland Browns to another, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Cole Holcomb, Juan Alexander, Landon Roberts. I, I, I don't know about you, Evan. You, you, you said, you know, you kind of got your thing with JOK. You're okay adjusting your expectations and, and, and taking your shots there. I really feel like that's that's about all you can do here as well. Um, this really, really seems like a rotational set. Maybe an injury or play um, dictates something else and someone steps up out of that room and, and takes the lead. But right now, with no clear winner or you know leader in that clubhouse, I've, I've got to pass on, on these linebackers for now, unless it's you know that situation where I'm breaking glass in case of an emergency and I'm plugging in an LB4 or something with, with, with a Cole Holcomb is probably the one I would lean on right now, just based on, um, you know, pri- prior experiences. I know Quan Alexander, someone who's looked good in, in, in spurts too. So I, I get the, he's got his fans. And if someone wants to take a shot, I wouldn't be against it, but I, in these situations, I, I just tend to shy away from him as much as I can. Yeah. And, and, and other sad news, um, what's his name? Cameron Hayward. Yeah. There's a guy whose name I should be remembering more easily. He's out for a long time. I think probably like two months ish. I think he he's getting groin surgery, so he's going to be gone for a while. He's going on IR. Now Keanu Benton doesn't technically play the same role as him, but he was one of the highest graded defensive rookies in the league in week one and is a very exciting prospect. I'm not necessarily telling you to pick him up and start him, but just, Keep an eye on him as a young developing player who could be really exciting. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But as a Steelers fan who's suffering inside watching bad football, it's nice to see something a little exciting here and there. Do the Texans play the Steelers this year? It's a good question. I don't know off the dome. I can look it up when you uh, answer this next question, eh? Alrighty. Before you actually do that. Listeners, if you guys want us to answer your questions, go to theidpshow.com, submit your questions, and we'll get to them on the show. Super, super exciting stuff. We love getting to answer your questions and chatting with you guys. So get them in there. And next week, we'll get to answer your question. And I'll add, if you have some still this week, right? We, we've are, we're recording, obviously. We're going to get this out there. We got the questions in that we've gotten so far. Um, I'll, I'll definitely try to um, get into the actual uh, forum itself and answer questions and like we had one last week that that i don't know if we missed it or it came in late whatever it was um but i i, st- I still want to get in there and try and answer those questions for you guys so so we can give you that advice and help you out as well so um get them in there as early and as often and as frequently as you can the steelers play the houston texans in week four so very soon yeah 
Do are we going to questions? Did you, you didn't have anything to say about that? Just finger guns? Okay. Just finger guns, man. I'm I'm Jonathan Gannon levels excited for this. How do you feel? How do you feel about how the Cardinals did Week One? Like that was kind of sort of half decent, all things considered. Could you imagine, like, legitimately, if Colt McCoy would have been healthy enough, capable enough, someone who took all the first team reps throughout the entirety of the offseason, was able to come in and, and run that offense? I, in the defense played like that, they they would have won that game, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't. As somebody who lives in Arizona, like, we need Caleb Williams. I don't think we're quite as cursed as the Jets, but we're pretty close. So, anyways, our first question comes in from Sean. We kind of answered it already. David Long. Why that's fantastic. What's going on with him? Um, Mike McDaniel said it was part of their formula, whatever the heck that means. Right. Wait and see. If you're in a shallower league, drop him. There's enough startable linebackers elsewhere that you don't need to waste a roster spot on him. If you're in a deeper league and you can afford to stash him and there's not a better option on waivers, fine. But like, I'm not throwing him into my starting lineup anytime soon. No. And I mean, I'm only, and I'm thinking, one to two weeks you're watching this. If these shenanigans continue for the next week, two weeks, I'm I'm completely done. You're better off trying to get a dart throw injury stash somewhere else. So if you are not rostering and or considering Elandon Roberts, you should not be considering David Long because they have very similar usage. All right. Tim asks us to choose from these two defensive backs. Sorry, choose two defensive backs from this list. Buddha Baker, Grant Delpit. Quandre Diggs, Trayvon Merrig, Julian Love. First things first, what are you doing with Quandre Diggs and Trayvon Merrig in your roster? Check your waiver wire, find some better options because those two guys are both strictly deep safeties who don't have very much upside for fantasy football. Do yourself that first favor. Secondly, yes, definitely start Grant Delpit for sure, for sure. Your second option is going to depend on the health of Jamal Adams. If Jamal Adams is injured, or sorry, you know, if he's out, yes, you can continue to start Julian Love. If not, start Buda Baker. Or better yet, see who's available on waivers and drop Quandre Diggs or Trayvon Merrick for them. Jake, what do you think? You nailed it. I think that's great. Uh, you know, some of the names you talked about, maybe like a Julian Blackman who takes a, a boatload of box snaps who didn't necessarily translate into huge tackle numbers. So maybe he's someone that is floating around out there on waivers or someone picked them up hoping for bigger numbers and didn't get it so they're moving on um you know i, th I think there's just there's better names and better processes that we can get out there than, than those two. so i'm i'm with you all the way Kayvon wallace um justin evans i mean shoot trevon merrick's teammate marcus epps like there are other options out there who have better usage also drake jackson we already talked about him but tim wants to know if he's the real deal Kind of. He's good, but he's not that good. He's he's the he's the you know DL two or D, you know edge two in that room, I think, behind Bosa right now. And I think he'll get the the run and respect of that for now, especially with his performance. But yeah, he's I think we talked about him. He's more in that, you know, that that edge three, DL three um streaming kind of range for right now. So you're look you're looking for more for matchups than than you are plugging and playing this guy week in, week out. Unless you can prove us wrong. But I, I I don't see that as the process at this point in time. Yeah, I agree with you there. And our final question for the week comes from Donald S., who asks us to choose between Montez Sweat or Dexter Lawrence. Jake, I agree with your thought process here as far as roster construction goes. 
Dexter Lawrence is a guy that is, is on an orphan team that I took over and is like a big name that I'm trying to sell because he's such a good football player. But for IDP, he's still a nose tackle, which is really tough to kind of just grasp the fact that you're starting a nose tackle in a defensive line spot. And I feel like if there's other managers in your league that read his name and are like, oh, heck yeah, that's sexy Dexy, let's go. Trade him away for an edge rusher that's got more upside, like you mentioned, because Montez Sweat, edge rushers, they just tend to get to the quarterback at a more efficient rate. They tend to make tackles at a more efficient rate. So Montez Sweat's my pick here. He's your pick here. Anything else you want to add as far as the analysis side of thing goes on this one? No, I mean, I mean that that's really as simple as it lands for me. Um, you know, I think that the Cardinals, the game, the game script and matchup. You know, I think that Lawrence has a solid floor this week. I think he'll he'll be able to put together, you know, somewhere between three to five tackles. Um, Cardinals, you know, don't have the best offensive line, but again, same thing. They're not they're not attacking the ball. They're not attacking downfield too much. Um, they're really limiting what they're doing. Dobbs should hopefully be somewhat better in terms of the offense with a full week under his belt now as well. I'm there. So I, I would just think that it's it's limited upside overall, especially from the interior of, of that defensive front for the Giants. So you really want safety. I like um I like Lawrence, but I'm I'm swinging upside um at this point against the the Denver Broncos for the Washington Commanders. Awesome. All right, Jake, we made it through another week of preview pods. This one was a lot faster than the last one, so <laughs> we're learning to us. Yay, getting better. Uh, <laughs> listeners, if you guys want to ask more questions, you guys know where to go. You can also find us on Twitter at IDP Evan or at Late Round DB. Super good to see. Uh, Jake, before we close out this episode, closing thoughts here as far as anything we want to leave the listeners with before we close out this episode. Oh gosh, really putting me on the spot here. Um, I am. You know, it's it's. This is not just IDP specific, but it's fantasy specific, right? It's week one. Let's not overreact. Um, let's you know, I, and I and I don't think anyone in our questions was right, but you know, like just like the question, like you know, is is Drake Jackson for real? I think it's it's a great question to just pose and think through, right? Like, are we are we seeing this performance indicative of everything that we have moving forward? it's it's hard to say this right because there's only 17 games in the nfl season um you know in fantasy you've got only got 14 to get to the playoffs but you really 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 need to be able to take a couple weeks let the information collect and respond to it appropriately right so you know once we got two three weeks then we can really start to say this is this is what is the true path or the true information we have so make sure just try to try to have that mindset um as much as you can I had Aaron Rodgers in my Superflex League go out, and I immediately sent out like 30 trade offers to get other quarterbacks. So I need to take a bit of my own advice at time, but you know, just put it out there for everyone. It's it's only week one, but it's awesome. We love it because it's fantasy time. I will say something I'm really really excited to see this week. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too. The Jags' defensive line looked really really solid in week one. I would love to see if the combination of Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker can continue to be as potent against the chiefs uh like what's what's something you're really looking forward to i guess as we're going into this week too well speaking of the chiefs i'll be interested to see if Jawan taylor is lining up 13 yards off of the the guard like he was against aiden hutchinson um and then have people comment on live tv that that's illegal but the refs do nothing about it uh sorry bitter i have aiden hutchinson i love aiden hutchinson um 
but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I was a, a big proponent of Trayvon Walker this off season. Um, the projections that we have seen historically for first round edge rushers, just the way they grow year over year. And the fact that Walker was at or above all those marks already in, in year one, I think only show us exactly what we need to see is that the talent, the reason they took him one-on-one does seem to be there. And if he truly can be refined into a strong edge rushing uh, prospect, or they find the right way to unlock him or the combination of that, I think we have a situation where we have um, two bookend pass rushers, right? You know, the, the makings of a, a Philadelphia Eagles defensive line, you know, the commanders, the, the giants, you know, th- those types of situations we could be building into something like that. Awesome. I love it. And on that note, we're going to close out this episode. We will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Peace out.